In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved, today is the fourth Sunday of Easter. Isn't it fun that Easter is a whole season? It's not just one day. It's a whole season. It's 50 days. It's longer than Lent. Tells you something about our faith. It's longer than Lent. It's 50 days of reveling in the resurrection of Jesus and all that it means for us. It goes all the way to Pentecost, which is May 28th this year. So friends, we are just getting started when it comes to reveling in the resurrection, all right? So pace yourself in your partying, okay? We've got 50 whole days to do this. But I will admit, as y'all probably would as well, that just like Jesus' resurrection didn't obviously change everything at once. He appears to his disciples. He appears to Mary. Is there a cat in here? Very good. Oh, there is a cat in here. Oh, my gosh. I think it's okay. Yeah. I thought it was somebody's phone ringing or something like that. I thought I was making a joke, but I was liter- there literally is a cat in here. You're welcome to stay. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, um, cats need the gospel, too. So. Uh, but just as Jesus' resurrection doesn't change everything at once, not in an obvious way, at least, it's still not immediately obvious to us today that the world has been irrevocably changed by the resurrection, right? There's a wave of horrifying gun violence that seems to be sweeping our nation. And of course, those who could pass laws to make us all safer won't do so for a host of infuriating reasons. We've got an economic system that, where the rich just keep getting richer because they're rich, and the poor keep getting poorer because they're poor. And the gap between them grows ever wider, and we won't do anything about it. I was at a conference this weekend and sat next to a woman who told me that she recently started her own organization to do coaching and consulting because she'd previously helped eight different men build their organizations. And in her words, she was blanking over it. She didn't say blanking. She had, a, she had another word there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was, really, she was really over it, is what she said to me. So apparently, patriarchy is still a thing. Who knew? All the women in the room are like, we knew. We knew. So, beloved, sometimes it seems like the way things are is the way things will always be, that the death-dealing structures of oppression are too well-funded, too well-organized to ever be defeated. It can be tempting to think that it is futile to push against unjust systems, that it's foolish to think that things could ever be different. And maybe, for our own sake, it's best to just accept the status quo and try to survive as best we can. And who cares about everybody else? But today, we proclaim the open secret that the resurrection of Jesus has dealt a fatal blow to every death-dealing power. And in baptism, we have been united with Christ in his death and raised to a new kind of life so we can live in hope that when resurrection comes for the rest of creation... It will dismantle every oppressive structure and usher in a new age of liberation and joy. So don't let them tell you that it's foolish to hope for better days. It's still Easter, church. Let's live as those who've already died and have been raised to new life. Amen?
Matthew's Gospel tells us the story of a confrontation between the Sadducees and Jesus having to do with the marriage and the resurrection. Sadducees are part of this Jerusalem elite that are centered on the temple, and they're opposed to Jesus because Jesus is opposing the temple, and they are associated with wealth. They're very comfortable people. And they ask an arcane question about leveret marriage, which is a fancy way of talking about the practice that we, that we heard, read, um, when we read the gospel, where um, if a man dies childless, his brother marries the widow to raise up offspring, so his brother's line, property, inheritance, and name can be passed on. So this is an economic, religious, and don't miss it, patriarchal practice whereby the man who died, his concerns are elevated above everyone else's. He has to be able to pass on his name, his inheritance, his lineage, his property. And so their question to Jesus assumes patriarchal marriage and attempts to mock the resurrection, which they did not believe in. They're hoping to show it to be a ridiculous idea and to shame Jesus for believing in it assuming he believed in it. And so they want to show this to be a a ridiculous idea by saying, in the resurrection then, for which of the seven will she be wife? For they all had her. In other words, which brother will own the woman in the resurrection? They ask their question on the assumption that the current patriarchal order will continue into the future indefinitely, maintaining a status quo that has created wealth and comfort for them at the expense of women, at the expense of the poor. They assume the way things are is the way things always will be. Jesus' response, though, turns the whole scenario upside down, doesn't it? First, he tells them, you're wrong. I love how direct he is in this one. Well, you're wrong about that. On three counts, you're wrong to dismiss the resurrection. You're wrong to link leveret marriage to the resurrection. And you're wrong to assume that patriarchal marriage is going to continue as a permanent structure in God's new world. It won't. You don't know the scriptures or the power of God. In other words, you can't even imagine a world in which God overcomes death and transforms the present age into a new age that doesn't have a whiff of the oppressive structure of patriarchy. In the resurrection, Jesus says, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. You assume that the present structures will continue indefinitely in which you as wealthy men benefit at the expense of the poor And the women who are given, notice the passive voice. Women don't have agency over their own bodies in this scheme. But God, Jesus says, is creating a new future. Well, women will stand on their own before God, just like men. They won't need to be owned by a man. They won't need to be attached to a man in order to be seen and loved and known by God. God's reign transforms the present age with its hierarchical, patriarchal, socioeconomic structures and religious systems and creates a new future of communal solidarity and equality. The Sadducees can't imagine a future without patriarchy, but God does. And the resurrection dismantles every oppressive system, including patriarchy. The resurrection, friends, is good news for women. So I know 
It can seem like the way things are is the way things always will be, that the death-dealing structures of oppression are too entrenched to ever be dislodged or disrupted. But today we proclaim the open secret that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has dealt a fatal blow to every death-dealing power. And in baptism, we've been united with Christ in his death and raised up to a new kind of life where we live in hope that when resurrection comes for the rest of creation, it will dismantle every oppressive structure and usher in a new age of liberation and joy. So don't let anyone tell you it's foolish to hope for better days. It's still Easter, church. Let us live as those who've already died and been raised to new life. Our passage from Romans, Paul is writing to the Roman Christians, and uh, this makes the connection between the death and resurrection of Christ and us, and reveals why this is such good news, not just for Jesus, but for us and for all creation. In baptism, Paul is talking about baptism here, we have been united with Christ in his death and resurrection, kind of, we've been united with Christ ahead of time. So we die before we die, and we rise before we rise, if that makes sense. Paul says this is your reality. It's not just an interesting idea that you might think about or a metaphor that might help you live a good life. It's reality. You've been united. You're dead. (laughs) And you live. And this happens though you haven't died. And it happens though you haven't been raised. Both are true at the same time. It's like we exist in two realms at the same time. Just like Jesus, who is in heaven with God, but also with us. He promised to be with us every day. Jesus is here. He's with us. Jesus is in heaven. We're the same. We're here and we're in heaven. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. Because I'm a little bit of a sci-fi nerd, I think it's kind of like quantum entanglement. Here we go. All right? Hang with me if you're not familiar. Quantum entanglement is where two particles are connected to each other in a weird mysterious way, where you can't really move or interact with one without moving or interacting with the other. That's my best attempt at understanding what that means. But quantum entanglement with Jesus. So our bodies here on earth are also mysteriously connected to the resurrected body of Jesus in heaven. And in the same way, Jesus' resurrected body in heaven is entangled with his people on earth. This is why, for example, when Paul is persecuting the church, Jesus comes to him in a vision and says what? Why are you persecuting me? Jesus feels what we feel because he's connected to us. We're the same way. Our life is hidden with Christ in God, but here we are also. We exist in both places at once. Incidentally, this is why when we receive bread and wine on earth in just a few moments, we are also receiving the body and blood of Christ in heaven. When we're loving our neighbor On earth, we are encountering Christ in heaven. We exist in both places at the same time. And even though it's hidden, it is real. It is real. The old self is already crucified with Christ so that the body of sin might be destroyed, as Paul says, and we are no longer enslaved to sin. And I could go a long time about this, but just know this. Sin there is not just my personal foibles. Those are important to pay attention to. But it's not just that we're enslaved to our own personal foibles. It's also sinful structures and systems like patriarchy, like mammon, like white supremacy, the principalities and the powers, these ideologies that create ways of relating that are destructive 
and oppressive. And so get this, what Paul says is in baptism, we die to all of it. We're no longer enslaved to it. We're no longer subject to those ideologies. We no longer have to submit to what they tell us to do. So we're no longer subject to the way that the oppressive systems and structures attempt to colonize our imaginations and conscript our bodies into their service. We have died with Christ, and therefore we are no longer enslaved to mammon, to patriarchy, to white supremacy, and yes, our personal sins too. We're no longer enslaved to those either. And so, beloved, because you are already dead to sin, you're no longer enslaved to those structures. Consider yourselves to be so is what Paul says to us. Act like who you are. Act like you are connected with Christ in heaven, because you are. Practice resurrection now in the hope that in the final resurrection in the future, trusting God will meet you there with resurrection power today. So we need this encouragement, don't we, to consider ourselves dead to sin, because it often seems like the way things are is the way things will always be. That the death-dealing structures of oppression are too well-funded and too well-organized to be ever dismantled. So I wonder what gets you down today? What tempts you to give up hope? Where do you find it difficult to trust resurrection so that you can keep practicing resurrection? Maybe it's the death spiral our economy, or or uh, sorry, the death spiral that our country seems to be in right now. There's so many overlapping ways that that we're embracing death as a, as a culture, as a country. Maybe it's a difficult relationship that you have that doesn't seem to be getting any better. Maybe it's a chronic health issue that makes normal life very difficult for you. Maybe it's the suffering of a loved one that you've been praying for for years to no avail. Maybe it's having to see a broken system fail vulnerable people every single day at your job. Beloved, let's bring those realities to God in prayer, confessing our weakness and asking for grace to trust that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has dealt a fatal blow to every death-dealing power. And in baptism, we have been united with Christ in his death and raised up to a new kind of life, living now in the hope that when resurrection comes for the rest of creation, it will dismantle every oppressive structure and usher in a new age of liberation and joy. Don't let them tell you it's foolish to hope for better days. It's still Easter church. Let us live and pray now as those who've already died and been raised to new life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.